Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today is day two, and thank you for all the wonderful feedback about day one when we're talking about our spring 2024 open house plan. Um, And this is a free plan for all of you guys to use. Remember, the notes for today's show are down below. By down below, I mean in the show description if you're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Music. I can't even think of all the other... Podbean, all these other whatever you're looking at to have hit load or play or listen to the notes are there right so just go down and you can download all of our notes you can read along right uh with us as we're presenting julie takes a enormous amount of time every day to prepare these podcasts and uh we are doing this to be of service to all of you so make sure you're scrolling down and reading along with us this is your checklist now i do have to say this is a surface level checklist mm-hmm. of the checklist we give you when you're a premier coaching member, but at least this will get you going in the right direction. And when you're down there looking at the show notes, remember you can join premier coaching and get the full checklist. Uh, and it's part of the first 30 days, which costs you absolutely nothing when you join premier coaching. So scroll down below, click the link to join premier coaching, or you can just go to premiercoaching.com. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private coach coaching call with a Harris certified coach. All right, Julie, yesterday we left off at point number seven. Let's roll right into point number eight. Point number eight, part two, talking about open houses. And that is for you to have what are called rate sheets in your open house, showing at least three different ways to purchase the home. This has become even more important with the uh, modulation of interest rates. Different down payments, different scenarios, which is best for your prospect. Your favorite lender can supply these fact sheets or rate sheets. So don't feel like this is something you have to produce. Some of you listening are uh, loan officers and you know how to do this. For the rest of you, rely on your favorite lender. Now, I have a question for you, Julie Harris. Yes. If you had a lender that was um, willing and able, and frankly, you wanted them to do it, do an open house with you, would you have them do it? Absolutely, 100%. I would too. Now, how would you have the lender position themselves during the open house? Where would you have them like stationed? Sure. Well, you can have them help you sign people in. You can, you know, some of my coaching clients will have somebody in the front of the house, somebody in the back of the house, somebody in the kitchen. You know, I highly recommend that at least one of you have a laptop so that you can be looking up different programs and gathering contact information, all these types of things. The main thing is the lender is not there to just basically do their lender thing. The lender is there to assist you, yes. meet and greet. They're, it's just essentially, they're again, they're there to assist you. They're, you have to lay the groundwork because sometimes what will happen is if you pull in the lender, lender's going to hang out back in the kitchen and just start trying to basically give little- Waiting you know, for business. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't want to do it that way. Everyone's there to work. There are no riders in your boat. There are all rowers. And by that, I mean, no one's just sitting around. Everyone's making a contribution and helping. And then everyone gets the benefit. And I I do want you guys to wrap your minds around what I just said. Your lender should be helping you lead generate. They really should because they get the benefit because they get a commission on the loan, just like you do when a house sells. Mm -hmm. So yes, pull them in. If you don't have a team member or somebody else you trust, absolutely do it that way. Let's roll into point number nine. Point number nine, be sensitive to what you are discussing about the seller's situation. Whether it's your seller or you're borrowing the open house from another agent, What are you actually authorized to share if a potential buyer or their buyer's agent 
asks you why the seller is selling, what are you allowed to disclose? Will they perceive that the seller is more or less motivated by your answer? You do have to be careful about this. You're wandering into agency here and you know, you don't want to portray something that may or may not well, be allowed. That is a huge mistake, especially that new agents make yes. is they'll say that they'll try to think that they have to entice a buyer to make an offer by making them, the buyer believe that they're going to somehow get a deal. You know, right. they're going to, uh, the buy, the seller is so they're motivated. Yeah, exactly. That is an enormous mistake. Even if it's not your seller, even if you don't have an agency or relationship, it's a mistake because guess what? That buyer might listen to you, make the offer, the offer gets rejected, and now you have wasted your time and wasted that buyer's time. You guys get the and point? And probably pissed off the seller. Well, probably, yeah. And maybe you've made the listing agent who was you know, generously allowing you to do their open house um, piss them off too. No longer your friend. Exactly. Yeah. So do you know, be very... So if someone asks if... The seller will accept, or you know, what the motivation of the seller is, and say, "Listen, the, the asking price is whatever it is, you know, eight ninety nine. But the seller's obviously considering all offers, you know. So, if so put we, your best foot forward. That's you. I have the paperwork ready. You ready to write the offer? You used to say, "Give me something we can work with." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's ways around. There's ways to answer without revealing anything. And sometimes you're holding an open house, you don't even know what the seller's situation is. So don't make something up. All right. Number 10, systematize your open house spoke. Now I, we've I started go, this. I want to take a go step ahead. back. Okay. So one of the things that's going to happen when you're in open houses, especially if there's a lot of people walking through, the FOMO is real. And if the mm -hmm. buyer has interest in the house, you need to give them permission to write an offer on the house while they're standing there with you. Or maybe you go to another part of the house where, you know, they can't, won't trip over our other prospective buyers. You need to give them. It's not, I'll call you back after the open house. Uh, or because then they're going to go to another open house. They're going to meet another agent. The other eight, and they're going to not like that particular house, but they're going to say, well, I like the other house a couple streets over. The other agent's going to be a little bit more Johnny on the spot for you and then offer to write the offer in the house. And you just basically lost your opportunity to sell the house yourself. You guys get it? That is a rookie mistake. So you need to give the buyers permission to purchase the house right then and there during the open house. And if there are a lot of people coming and going out of that open house, you'll be shocked how frequently buyers are rated right, especially if it's a new listing with lots of other people looking at it. Great, great coaching point there. I have to highlight and shout out to Jen Gennaro in Louisiana. She is a master and expert at this, not just writing on the spot at open houses, but she learned this. Her mark is very competitive in right up into the you know higher price ranges. She learned when she knew that there were other showings and other offers coming in. She didn't wait. She didn't go back to the office. She didn't even put it on a DocuSign. She wrote it hard copy, That's left it right there, put it in the kitchen, put it in an envelope, and called the uh, listing agent to say it's in the kitchen ready to rumble. I was about to ask you that. So would you do paper or would you do DocuSign? I would do what Julie just said, what Jen Gennaro does. I would definitely do paper in situations like that, not a DocuSign. Let's just be honest, a DocuSign, even though it's very efficient and amazing compared to paper, the reality of it is, is these people want to buy the house now. You need to have ready uh, all the necessary paperwork. You need to pull out of your briefcase, go and meet in some part of the house that doesn't have a lot of people crawling through it, and write the offer. But you have to be urgent about it. Oh, I don't want to seem too pushy. Okay, how's then that Then lose work? the deal. Then lose the deal, right, exactly. The buyers want to buy the house. You need to give them permission to buy the house. You need to do your job and write the contract. Yeah, it's and not you difficult. can convert it later to DocuSign. That's what she does. Stop thinking about yourself <laughs> and whether you feel like you're being too pushy. You're focusing on the wrong thing. The right thing is yeah. about being of service to that prospective buyer and, by the way, the seller, and help the transaction happen by writing the offer. Oh, and you're going to get paid. If you're constantly worried about how are people are going to perceive me, if I'm you know, saying what Tim and Julie are saying, well, they're not going to perceive you in real estate for long because 
you won't last unless you start taking more urgent action with in regards to, for example, doing your job. I'm being direct for a point. It's for your own good. Listeners, that's called tough love from your podcasters because we lived it. We know and we also know from our coaching clients that does work. All right. So systematize your open house spoke, turn it into a lead generation machine. We have given you a lot of these points on the podcast, but of course, in Premier Coaching, we give you the scripts and everything else to support it. Point number 11, take the time to really know the subject property. Know all of the usual things like bedrooms, baths, square footage. This is the right one. Are you sure we're not there? Nope. We just did that one. Oh, we did? Yes. I wasn't okay. listening. It's okay. <laughs> know all of the usual things like bedrooms, baths, square footage, but also the ages of appliances, roofing, other pertinent items. Pretend you are the potential buyer. Listeners, did she skip number to point number 10? I did not. It says, sure? systematize your open house spoke and turn it into your lead generation well, machine. I really didn't hear you do that point. That's okay. Maybe I didn't do the second part. Agents who are great at this consistently generate, this is the important point, so I'm, I'm uh -huh. glad that you reeled me back in. We'll, we'll do a do-over of the rest of point number 10. I'm usually the one that screws up your That's, notes. You are. Point number 10 and a half. Agents who gr are great at open houses, and this is a fact. We have so many examples, and we lived it too. Agents who are really great at this consistently generate at least one new listing from every open house and an endless supply of buyers some of whom have homes to sell. That's part of the scripts. Never pay for buyer leads again when you can instead generate better quality leads for free yourself. I, I hope you. they got that. I'm glad that you went back to that because that's really the, the whole point of doing open houses. And if you think about it, open houses more than almost anything else are a situation where you can have one event, the open house, where is that taking you? Three or four hours of your life and make multiple high quality contacts. Well, assuming you are not just sitting at the kitchen and saying... Watching the football game and sitting the open house. I hate that. Yeah. I'm going to go sit in open no, house. No, you're going to work the open house. Yeah. You're like, you know, Marguerite Garvey. Okay, yes. we talked about her the other day. Yeah. Uh, she used to work... She was at Victoria's Secret. And one of the things that she would do is she was a store opener. And as a store opener, she would go there with her A-team of staff to wherever the new Victoria's Secret was and they put them in place, they get the store working and then they'd hire in people to, you know, essentially replace those people after they'd been there for 60 or 90 days. One of the things we learned from Marguerite was how their filtering process worked. The greeter at the front of the door knew that, you know, they said, is there anything I can help you with and whatever. They knew that 99% of the time they're going to say, I'm just looking. But then they had spiked, essentially put in place different levels of salespeople that the further you walk back in the store, obviously you're looking for something. Obviously you're serious curious and the people with more experience were there that you trip over the further you got back into the store most mm -hmm. major retailers work that way too and I want you to think about essentially the system that was put in place you guys got to do the same thing when you're doing your open house you have to think like you know essentially your first impression when someone walks in it's the same first impression they have as if you had a retail store play every single you know the moments of truth right how do you look how do your open houses look What's the music that they hear when they walk in? What's the experience that they have? Julie and I used to play um, uh, en uh, en Enya. En Enya. Enya, right? We used <laughs> yeah. to play Enya. Background and then we, we would actually go in, um, especially some of the smellier open houses, <laughs> we would actually go there prior and we would put in a plug-in that smelled like vanilla. Yes. You know, we would do all this stuff. And, and I'm going to give you guys, like people ask, you know, all the time, still to this day, how did you guys sell over 100 houses your first year in your early 20s? Um, without disclosing our age, that was a while ago, but let me just tell you, we did it consistently 100 to 200 homes for almost uh, 10 years in a row. It's exactly what we're telling you, but one of the little hot, you know, one of the little niches that Julie and I figured out very quickly was we are going to list, we are going to 
be very proactive about going after for sale by owners. Mm -hmm. And then those for sale by owners, if they had houses that they wanted to move up to, which 99% of them did, that's a huge, fantastic opportunity for us, right? That's not one transaction, that's multiple transactions. And so we would, you know, obviously work with the that prospective seller to make them want to work with us, then we can get the up leg on the sale. And we just did that over and over and over again. I would say over the 100 deals that we did, probably I would say 25 or 30, maybe more, were FISBO sellers that ended up becoming buyers for us. And then the rest were just probably standalone buyers or standalone sellers. And a lot of that was generated from uh, open houses. It was. Because we would prospect, follow the, the breadcrumbs here, listeners. We would prospect the for sale by owners. Oh, oh, oh. You know, uh, I mean, wait a minute. Proactively lead generate. <laughs> don't say prospect. Uh, contact. They don't like that. Um, talk to. Well, right. Well, I mean, if knock, 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 you know, uh, we, Using work the script. we work with a lot of buyers in your area and we are curious to, you know, get information about your house and, you know, chances are we have a buyer that might be a good fit for your house. And we get to know them. We talk about, we pre-qualify them. So ideally, how soon do you want this property sold? Where are you going once this property sells? You know, if I were to pop by with a buyer that wanted to purchase your house and it's the exact buyer you were looking for, all the financing was squared away, no unreasonable expectations as far as occupancy, as far as inspections or appraisal, all the rest of it. In other words, this is the buyer you've been hoping for on a scale of one to 10. All the numbers make sense, Mr. Seller. Where would you rate your motivation to sell the house now? And you want to take the temperature of for sale by owners or expires for that matter, because oftentimes you'll find that they're not as motivated as you think they should be. But if they say anything other than a 10, if they say, well, I'm a seven or eight, then you're going to say, well, fantastic. So what would it take to get you to a 10? And then you're going to find out what the real motivation was. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't have to relocate for 120 days or whatever. Or my new construction house isn't done for you know five Typical. months. Now you're actually getting real drilled down level information about how you can actually be of service to that person. But here's the other thing you're going to hear. Unrealistic expectations. Absolutely wackadoo perceptions of what their home was worth. And no motivation whatsoever. If the house doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. If, you know, it, once pigs fly, basically. Did you see the post I put on Instagram about pigs flying, by the way? <laughs> I don't think so. We're flying out of San Juan about a oh, month ago. Oh, yeah, I do. I remember it, that. Yeah. We're flying out of San Juan. We live in Puerto Rico about a month ago <laughs> to Miami. And Julie found us an actual FDA. Is it FDA? It's it's the agricultural, you know, they're making sure you're not smuggling coconuts. And apparently... There was, there was a picture of a pig. It's on Instagram. You guys should see this. It's at Tim and Julie Harris of a pig with a big circle with a line through it. And it's in Spanish. But basically what it's saying is that pigs can't fly. And I just <laughs> like literally pigs can't fly. I mean, that's a in thing. In case you were considering it. I, I honestly would pay an unlimited amount of money to be at the airport when someone showed up. Trying with, to fly their pig. With a comfort pig <laughs> to fly with their damn I pig. I know. I swear to you, I just stood in front of that. That was, you know, when you put the stuff through the machine yeah. and they have like all the things you can't travel with. I, I just stood there and I looked at it like, you've got to be kidding me. But you that, guys. That's a thing. Oh, well, it's because the saying of, you know, when pigs fly, that'll happen. <laughs> but here it is. In so San Juan, funny. they're making it official. They're finally, for all of you who are waiting for pigs to fly, they're telling you that Impossible. they're never going to fly, at least out of Puerto Rico. Hard as you try. Anyway. No. The so thing, look the, for that sign when they, the next time you're on a plane. The okay. things that entertain us. Indeed. So let's see how we get this train back on the tracks. <laughs> um, so we talked about point number 10. Yes, this can be, this, especially as when inventory is low. And you systematize your open house, it can be your leading spoke if you do it right. It, this and centers of influence mm -hmm. and past clients, 100%. frankly, and going yep. after for sale by owners or expires. Yes. If you just did this, 
you'd be rock star status. Well, absolutely, because it is it does demonstrate one thing leads to the next, you yep. know. And I mean, if you guys don't know that, you need to go to our premier coaching sessions and hear from our coaching clients who said you're not going to believe what happened in my open house. We do share in, in the premier coaching. We do tell you guys how to you know buy leads. I mean, I have to tell you, I get a little you know that's hard you can for hardly me to say that the words, out. but we do go over all the branding and the marketing, the buying of the leads, and the this is and the other thing. So we do explain to you guys how to do all that. And some of you will choose to do that because you're not willing to do the real work of real estate. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to succeed in this business, uh, and I mean succeed to the point where you're actually making significant amount of money, or at the very least, you don't fail out of the business like most people do within five years or less. Most fail out of the business within two years or less. You got to do proactively generation stuff like this. And here's the interesting thing. You don't feel like doing it. You don't know. This is just for whatever you're having a mindset issue with doing stuff like this. When you start doing it, when you put yourself in the physical action of doing the activity and you're starting to see yourself and feel yourself, you know, becoming the best version of yourself as a real estate practitioner and you're interacting directly with buyers and sellers and you're experiencing these, you know, uh, you're going to have all these, you know, they're epiphanies, basically, mm -hmm. these little sparks going off in your head. You're going to be so in love with this business and you're never going to want to overinvest in the passive lead generation because you're going to see not just how well the proactive lead generation works, like what we're describing to you today, but how amazing it makes you feel. And when you feel like you love this business, you're loving this business. Not like some of you will say, I can only be successful at something I feel passionate about. I have unfortunate or fortunate news for all of you. You will never actually feel passionate about anything you know, related to work for any long period of time. But what you will feel passionate for are the results that come as a result of you doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. So you might not want to do open houses. I get it. You want your Sundays. I mean, Fine. You, you don't want to do some of the things we ask you to do because you don't feel passionate for them. I understand. I didn't either. But here's the thing. Feel passionate for the freedom that comes from it. Feel passionate for the person that you're becoming. Feel passionate for the, you know, the example you're being for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your fellow real estate practitioners. Feel passionate for the lifestyle that you're earning. Feel passionate for those things. Feel passionate for the results that you're creating for other people and for yourself because you've been doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. So if you're stuck in the mud about being a proactive lead generator, you've got to realize the cost, what you're paying for that. What you're paying because you want to buy leads and spend all your money doing well, the marketing. You're literally and the paying for it. You are. You're paying for it. You're, and with what's happening with real estate commissions, what's happening with the cost of leads, what's happening with a lot of these, you know, passive lead generation things becoming so ridiculously oversaturated. You know, you want to know where all the competition is. All the competition is with all the passive stuff, the branding, the marketing, the YouTubing. That's where all the competition is. The competition is not with what Julie and I are telling you because it's easier to do the other stuff because you don't actually have to learn the skills necessary to be really, really good at something. Hopefully that resonates with at least 10 or 15% of you <laughs> because those are the ones ultimately they're going to succeed at the highest levels. Well, those are the ones that have the light bulbs going off in their heads. Hopefully. After that, that because you know you say it with passion because you're passionate about their success. I remember, Julie, when you and I were barely married, we've been married for 32 years and we got into real estate. And I remember very clearly you and I doing this on East Jeffrey and all these oh, yeah. other streets in Clintonville. And I remember how amazingly proud of ourselves we were when we first had our first sale. Julie and I had student loans when we got out of uh, college. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but the stupid student loan books when they used to be coupons, the freaking pages were laminated. How do I know that? 
because one of our first goals, when we had 45000 in student loan debt, one of our first goals our first year in real estate was to pay off our student loans, which we did. And so true story, we went to our backyard, I'm not making this up, with lighter fluid, and we tried to burn those sons of bitch books. <laughs> You know what? A celebratory bonfire. They didn't burn. They wouldn't catch. They wouldn't catch. With lighter fluid, they wouldn't burn. So we just basically ended up burying them. But I mean, I thought that was funny, right? <laughs> I forgot about Yeah, our first year in the business, and this was in the 90s, back when we were in our early 30s, we earned over $300,000. I mean, 300000 is still a lot of money, but back then it was all the money all in the, the money. world. Yeah. And you guys can do the same thing. The market's actually, it's, I think it's easier now oh, because, I do too. because sale prices. Absolutely, 100%. Because we, of sale prices and honestly, with, with regards to this particular lead generation topic, open houses are working far better now than maybe any time I've ever seen in our careers. For sure. Because everybody, there's so much enthusiasm well, and there's it, so much pent up demand. It's because of, frankly, it's because of all the Zillowing and the Realtor.coming. And the shows. And it's because all that digital stuff is so oversaturated. The real consumers are so burned out from the stupid forums on yeah. websites and those leads being sold to 20 different agents and all those agents texting and emailing. They're just avoiding all that crap and they're doing, they're, they're going to look on Zillow, they're going to look on Realtor.com, but what they're really going to do is they're driving open houses. If they're driving neighborhoods looking for open houses. That's where the money's at. The money is where, you know, the success and the opportunity is where the consumers are going. That's where they're going. Yes. They're stepping away from their computers. They're going out into the marketplaces. They've done their research. They know where they want to buy. Meet the consumer where they're at. I mean, it just makes sense. It's so much easier to do it this way, guys. And of course, you are not paying for those leads. My number 12, get an open house partner. We talked a little bit about this before. Ideally, who's uh, licensed to help you manage the sign-in process, answer questions, and provide added security. It's a great thing to have so many people attend your open house, but it's even better when you're actually able to connect with 100% of them after the fact. So you mentioned security, and I agree with what Julie just said. Couple, We do all this. There's a huge drill down on this in Premier Coaching, mm -hmm. but that's the reason we want you guys to stay uh towards the front of the house. That's the reason we want you to be there to greet everyone and don't give private tours, especially if you have a lot of people coming through. You want to make, know who's coming and you want to know who's going and you want to stand there right by, by the front of the house and ask everyone to sign in. Yes, that is your job. Just smart. Right. And, and it, it is the point of the open house too. And it's also worth mentioning if the house is occupied, again, this is all on Premier Coaching, yep. but you want to go and make sure simple things are secured. Any sort of jewelry, any, you need to go and look in the seller's medicine cabinets with the sellers there, right? Because you never know. They might have snuck a camera in there, but look in their medicine cabinets and see if they have any prescription drugs, especially painkillers. You need to go with the seller prior to the open house if the house is occupied and you need to have to remove anything that some yes. person with, you know, nefarious intentions might yeah. be looking for. That's right. And even, you know, I used to talk to them about little things that maybe aren't even that nefarious. Maybe some people are used to, they come home from work or it's on the weekend, they take their watch off. They have a yep. little jewelry catcher. By right? the front door. By the front door. Or they put their keys there. Or they put their wallet there. It's just out of habit. And maybe, you know, a bunch of kids come in and knock it off. Or maybe somebody's nefarious. Maybe they're not. The way that you have a house for sale is different than the habits that you have when it's not for sale. We're not saying that to freak you guys out. That's just a reality, and you want to be smart about how you're coaching your sellers. It's hard to work sellers, especially first-time sellers, into the reality of what Julie just said. In Premier Coaching, we give the the seller, we give you to give to the sellers this complete home selling guide, which lists off and gives them checklists and whatnot. But you also are going to sometimes have to doctor fill them a little bit. 
If there is new construction in your marketplace, take them to a new construction model. Have them see what their perspective, you know, what the buyers who are also considering that new construction house versus their house, what they're seeing. Yes. Point out that there's no personal pictures on the wall. Point out that there's yeah. no, you know, pets, uh, you know, in the house. Point out the <laughs> fact that there's no you know, that. Show them yeah. all of that. So let them know that the consumers, their prospective buyers, that's the expectation. That is the goal uh, yep. uh, in terms of how you should stage a home. It should look like a new construction home. Especially if you're competing against new construction. Especially, especially. Yeah, because yes. those guys, new construction folks, especially the big national builders, they pull out all the tricks. They absolutely do. So our final point today is number 13. Follow up on any and all leads from your previous open houses until you've spoken with all of them and pre-qualified them for motivation, time frame, working with somebody already, or are ready for an appointment with you, of course, using our scripts. I mean, conversation outlines. That's right. And your goal, again, to emphasize point number 13 is to definitely, actually, it's probably point like number 26, considering probably. all the extra points we gave them. Bonus point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but is to actually generate leads. And follow up on them. And right? turn them this, into appointments. By the way, the same day, call Just them all and pre-qualify them. Thank them. Use our scripts on the website on Premiere. Yes. Thank them for coming to your open house. Uh, if you only had an opportunity to collect their information because they signed your signing book, thank them for coming to your open house. And then use our pre-qual script. You know, I assume because you are coming through the open house that you have a house in the neighborhood you're thinking about selling. Use our scripts and you'll start, again, depending on the price point, you'll start discovering that that open house was chock full of all kinds of opportunity. Yes. Don't put them in to a drip campaign and not call them. Do not do that. It is not smart. That's waste what, of time. That's what most agents will do. Just communicate with them digitally. You are being lazy. Call them. Thank them. Be appreciative. Text them, then call them. But don't just drip them. That's you know going to be what everyone else has been doing, and you're not going to get that person to want to work with you. You've just basically made it so all your effort from doing the open house is for naught because you didn't do the final step, which is personally calling them and thanking them. Anything else you'd like to say? Well, I wanted to leave it on a funny note. Quickly. A funny note, okay. With regards to preparing a house and keeping track of what you know, what the seller's habits are and things like this. Uh oh, are we going to talk? I don't know if you remember this. A right? pet sheep, pet donkey. No, it's something I like have that. some of those stories, but no, this is one uh, time when I was showing first-time homebuyers myself, uh, and I remember the house. I remember it distinctly because it was on West North Broadway. It had a nice backyard, had a screen and porch in the back. And, you know, doing our normal thing. And there was a sticky note on the back screen door that says, please don't let the cats out. Cats, plural. Okay. So I'm locking up back when, you know, jimmying the lockbox, the whole thing, walking out. And there's a cat walking in the backyard. So I captured the cat, said, don't let the cats out, put the cat in the house, went on our merry way. Right? Later that evening, I get a call. What in the world went on with your showing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, well, there was a cat in the house that was not our cat, and it beat the living daylights out of our cats. So what were you thinking? And I went directly to, well, you said keep all the cats in the house. Maybe you should have had a picture of which cats you meant. I don't know. I'm just saying, be careful how you present your houses. I don't know what the takeaway for that is. Be careful how you present your houses, whether or, that's removing the prescription drugs or keeping track of which pets stay and which pets don't. Or remove the cats. Or remove the cats. Remember, we had an open house um, on... Uh, West Jeffrey West Beechwold, Diane Devine's house. Yeah. And her cat was used to going in and out of the dog door and drug in a blue jay and ate it in the dining room 
during the open house. Okay. No, even better. She had a raccoon that would (laughs) come in through that same dog door and that she had been feeding it since it was a baby and would come into her kitchen. I think it was having cereal or something, right? You guys are going to think I'm making this up, but I'm not. It is 100% true. And she was the sweetest lady you've ever met in your life. She was absolutely 100% delightful. Her name was literally Diane Devine, but she was just an absolute wonderful angel of a person. She loved animals. I'm not making this up. Dog door, raccoon comes in, feeding it senses to baby, would come visit her every night. She sells the house. We sell her another house. <laughs> Guess what still is visiting now the new na- the new owners of the house? That same raccoon. Didn't have a raccoon disclosure on there that There was one. no raccoon disclosure. <laughs> Should have been. Should have been. And then we have to then explain to the buyer's agent who sold the house that this is what's going on. So that actually happened. It did happen. I remember <laughs> having a conversation about... Something had happened on the carpet from these animals coming and going. And well, we didn't know about the raccoon. We no. didn't. We didn't know this and not disclose. Yes. We didn't know until. No, we heard. I know. But I remember yeah. saying, "Well, there's beautiful hardwood floors under there." Yeah. So yes, manage your listings. Know what's going on. Ask lots of questions. You do get to know a lot about houses. Doing a lot of open houses, that's for sure, and lots of showings. So cautionary tales. We tell you guys this stuff to save you some of the trauma and drama that we lived through. Well, we had an adopted pet hawk when we lived in Texas. Yes, that's true. We that would, was on purpose, though. We would give out. Yeah, there was red hawks that were in. We backed up this beautiful river. Hank. And there was, Hank. Yeah, and there was these red hawks that would fly. And there was this one massive red hawk. We assume it was the male. Uh, and we started putting out table scraps for him, you know, in the, in the property in various places. And he started realizing that they were there and he started flying in. He was huge. And he was huge. As as we, as we he got to trust us, he got, <laughs> he got closer. to get closer and closer to the house. And I remember one time, Julie and I had been out of town for like a week and we came back and we had this separate little house that was on the property where our office was. And we walked out and there was this big old oak, you know, Texas oak tree. And he was maybe 10 feet from that front door. And this damn thing was probably three feet tall at least, Huge, yeah. staring right at me and said, yeah. it, I could just read his mind. No, no, dude, <laughs> here's the deal. You put out food. That's right. Where is it? <laughs> or I'm going to stare you down. It was very intimidating. Well, Beautiful, but, though. Yeah, this following year, yes. he started showing up with Hank at the Hawk. His family. And then later in the year, mm-hmm. that same year, the following year, they had all these little baby yes. hawks. I know. So well, we were providing food for Hank and his future family. It. That was awesome, though. <laughs> it was awesome. So if you're ever in Georgetown, Texas, and there's a hawk kind of staring at you funny, it's probably Hank. <laughs> it's probably Hank. <laughs> well, anyway. I think our podcast has peaked. Yeah, I think it has, too. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>